0: Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneur Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky.
1: Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. Today's class is Ilu Nishmat for the Merit of Yitzchak Yosef Ben Eliyahu. All the learning today is the merit of that soul. We're middle of chapter 37, page 490. Until now, the al Terebi explained that the purpose of creation is God desired, desired for us to build a home in this world. And uh, He contracted us as His developers. He gave us a piece of real estate called this physical material world. And He wants us to develop it into, transform it into a home, a place where you can live, feel comfortable, feel at home here, a place where He can reveal His essence. By transforming our material self, our ego, our human nature, our ego nature, transforming it into something godly, and thereby we make Hashem we, make for, we build for him a dwelling place in this world. And that explains why the mitzvot, the focus of the mitzvot is not the divine soul, our godly soul, our subconscious, but the, the purpose of the mitzvot, the focus of the mitzvot is our animal soul, our ego soul, our conscious selves. And that's why all the mitzvot are active. You have to speak the words of Torah, you have to speak the words of prayer. Even those mitzvot that are spiritual, even those mitzvot also have to be active. The emphasis is on the action. You have to move your lips and you have to pray and you have to move your lips and study Torah. And most of the mitzvot are active mitzvot, physical. It has to engage your body, the physical. If the purpose were only the spiritual and the godly, then the focus should have been meditation, spirituality, Close your eyes and elevate yourself to a higher level of consciousness. But yet, the focus of mitzvah are the exact opposite. Every single mitzvah, including the spiritual meditative mitzvah, must engage the physical. You have to physically move your lips and you have to physically, when you study Torah, when you pray, you have to physically do the mitzvah and engage your animal soul. Because when you do it with your body, your body is governed by, by your animal energy, your natural ego energy. That's, that gives you the energy and the strength to move your hand. And now the Alter Rebbe is going to say that actually it's much broader than that. Not only, when we do a mitzvah, not only do we elevate our animal soul, do we elevate that natural energy, that egotistical energy, that vibrant, dynamic human animal energy but in addition we also elevate the world around us because where do we get this energy from what feeds and what nourishes our animal soul our ego self our natural soul that thrill seeking passion seeking That. Desire for self-preservation. That natural self that we call life. What nourishes and what nurtures this energy? It's the food around us. It's the world around us. If you don't eat, you don't have strength. Body-soul connection grows weak. So when you do a mitzvah, when you do a mitzvah and you engage your, your, your limbs, the limbs in your body, which are moved by the energy, the life force that moves your limbs, which is your animal self, your natural self, your ego soul. What nourishes the ego soul? It's all the food that you ate. And it's everything that was involved in giving you that life support system. So when you do a mitzvah, when you take that energy and you move your hand and do a mitzvah, you you move your arm and do a mitzvah, or you move your lips and say the words of prayer or say the words of Torah, Not only are you elevating your limbs and your organs and your lips and your body and your animal soul, but you're also elevating everything that went into feeding and nourishing your animal soul. All the food and everything that sustains you also becomes elevated in the process. Because they're all a means to the end. That's what made it possible for you to do the mitzvah. So anything that made it possible for you to to do the mitzvah in turn becomes part of the mitzvah becomes part of the divine, becomes connected to the divine, becomes elevated to the divine, and transformed from something mundane, from something material, from something ordinary, from something everyday, suddenly that becomes transformed into something godly. That's why our table is compared to an altar. When you eat at home, and you're eating, and you're eating kosher, and you're making a blessing, and then you take that energy, that food gives you energy, you feel alive, you feel vibrant, Eat well, eat healthy. And you feel strong and energized and you take that energy. And with that energy you pray and you pour your energy into the prayer. You pour all the might, everything that you have, you pour into that prayer. And then when you study Torah, again you study Torah with with everything that you have and everything that enabled you to concentrate on the Torah. And then you move your lips and say the words of Torah. And then you go ahead and you fulfill the 613 mitzvot. So all that food and everything that went into nourishing you and nurturing you in turn become transformed into something godly, into something divine. So the effect that we have through doing that single mitzvah not only affects us, ourselves, our person, but also affects the world around us. That's the impact that we have on the world around us. The world that's outside of us, but without, without that, without that, without that experience, we would never be able to go ahead and do the mitzvah. Okay, uh, in the middle of page four ninety.
2: An additional virtue in mitzvah involving action, aside from their function in elevating one's animal soul mentioned above, the vitalizing soul's energy, clothed in the utterance of letters of one speech in Torah study, prayer, or the like, or the energy clothed in the performance of a Mitzvah involving action, derives its entire growth and vitality from the blood, which is of Klippa Noga itself, meaning all the food and drink that one has eaten and drunk, and which have become blood, these were under the dominion of Klippa Noga, and drew their vitality from it. Now that a person performs a mitzvah with the energy derived from his food and drink, this klippah is transformed from evil to good and is absolved into holiness by means of the energy of the animal soul that grows from it, which has now closed itself in these letters of Torah and prayer or in the performance of this mitzvah, which actually constitute the unveiled expression of the inner aspect of Hashem's will. For their vitality, the vitality expended in performing mitzvah, is also absorbed, like the mitzvah themselves, into the blessed Ein Sof light, which is his will as expressed in mitzvah. And with their vitality, the en- energy of the animal soul is likewise elevated and absorbed into the Ein Sof light, and since the energy necessary for performing the mitzvah was supplied by food and drink, the vitality of the food and drink is likewise absorbed in the Ein Sof light together with the mitzvah whose performance it made possible. Thereby all of Klepa Nova, which constitutes the vitality of the physical and corporeal world as a whole, will ascend as well. When will this come about?
1: Every Jew that's alive was a portion, a different part of this world. This world is divided. God assigned each and every Jew has a portion of this world. And it's their mission and it's their responsibility to elevate that portion. No one else could touch that, that portion. That's why the Torah says don't be jealous of another person. No one could take away a penny that belongs to you. Don't be threatened by competition. But he opened the store. He's taking away my livelihood. It's impossible. Because the money that belongs to you, you're the only You're the only one who can elevate that money. This portion that belongs to you, no one else can touch. It's a soul thing. It's a soul matter. The portion of this world that belongs to you, you're the only one that can touch it. Certain souls have huge portions. They're billionaires. God gives them a huge portion. They have to interact with thousands of people. They can have an influence, an impact, and a huge impact, and millions of people. That's their portion of this world. Some people affect a small portion of this world. But every one of us has a portion of this world that we come in contact with. Our friends, our neighbors, our whatever, whoever we come in contact with. This is the portion that's allotted to us. These are the people that we have to reach. These are the experiences that we have to experience. These are the places in the world that we have to go to. How do we know which portion is allotted to us? The answer is we don't but everything we believe, everything is divine providence. <laughs> That's why God takes us around the world. You think that you, you ended up here for this reason, for that reason, for that technical reason, that mechanical reason. No. You end up wherever you need to be. Even when you get lost, you think, you, you think you're just lost. You're not lost. You needed to be here. Your soul had to travel in this place because this is your portion that you have to elevate by walking through and by doing what you're doing, you have to elevate this portion. So when... Your livelihood, your career leads you sometimes to the strangest places. Why does this person end up doing this, and this one ends up doing this, and sometimes you move to this place? You don't know. A tzaddik, a holy Jew, knows. He has clear vision. He has clarity. He knows exactly where his soul needs to be. Or when the tzaddik tells you, you go here, you know your soul has to be there. But other than that, Hashem runs this world. God already runs this world in mysterious ways. and divine providence, he, we end up being wherever we need to be. And we end up engaging in whatever career we end up being because that's our portion of this world that we have to elevate. And no one can touch your portion. Your soul is the only one that has the ability to elevate this portion. So each and every Jew is an ambassador. And God divided the world. He gave each and every one of us his post, his ambassadorial uh, post. Some have huge posts, some are ambassadors to Russia, to France, and some have posts to countries we've never even heard of, (laughs) small, (laughs) small, tiny countries. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You have a large post, a small post. Every one of us has a portion of this world that belongs to us. And wherever we find ourselves, Sometimes we find ourselves in the strangest places. I'll never forget. This was the first time, this was a program, a a real, genuine rehabilitation program for prisoners. Jewish prisoners. And this was the first time that they let them leave prison and spend a Shabbos. This was minimal security prison. You know, there were no threats. These were presidents, you know, huge machers, companies, and were are sitting in jail. They were caught, tax evasion and many other such mitzvahs, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, unfortunately they were caught, and they, were, and, they, and they went, unfortunately they did terrible things, and they were put in prison. And I'll never forget the Rebbe's address. They sat by the Rebbe's fabreng. And every Shabbat, the Rebbe would come out and speak for hours, Torah. And the Rebbe spoke to them. And he says, you know, everything is divine providence. He didn't go into the fact why they're in prison. They didn't go in prison because they were saintly, or they were holy, <laughs> or they were righteous. This wasn't the Altar Rebbe sitting in prison. They sat in prison because they were good for nothings and they did some terrible things. Acknowledge, fine. But nevertheless, the Rebbe, the Rebbe didn't focus on that. What he focused on, he says, everything is divine providence. The fact is that by divine providence, you find yourself in the abyss, in the lowest place imaginable, prison. For a human being, prison is the equivalent of death, prison. Your freedom is restricted. It could be a minimal security prison. It doesn't matter. Your freedom is restricted. It's so unnatural. It's, it's, it's the worst punishment. So you find yourself in a very dark situation. But everything is divine providence. Why did God single you out that you, from the billions of people that are out there, you have to be sitting in prison? Because you have a mission to accomplish. You have the ability to elevate and to transform such darkness into light. You and only you have that ability. Other people weren't put in prison. Why? Why? because they don't have the ability to elevate this darkness and to transform this darkness into light. Do You do. He wasn't discussing how they ended up in prison. How they ended up in prison, <laughs> we know how they ended up in prison. And for that, they have to repent, and they have to do teshuva, and they have to change, and they have to be re- rehabilitated. That goes, that goes without, uh, without saying. But what he was discussing is, let's forget for a moment how technically they ended up in prison. But if their souls had no connection to this place, they would never end up here. The fact that they ended up here, there's divine providence, it means their souls has an inherent connection. This is part of their portion in this world that they have to elevate. This is their ambassadorial post. They were given the toughest assignment to elevate the darkest place in this world, the pit. Literally and figuratively. And that means that they have special strengths. Because God would not give a person something they can't handle. It means they have special strength to be able to elevate the darkest places, the darkest human experience. So that's an extreme example, but every one of us has, we have our ambassadorial position. We didn't choose it. We don't choose it. That's not our choice. Before we're born, it's already decided who's going to be rich and who's going to be poor. That's not something that we create. We don't choose who to be born to, which family to be born to. We don't choose that. That's, that's already decided. That's our soul has a destiny. Your soul is connected to this portion of this world and another soul is connected to another portion. No one could exchange places. You can't take a portion that doesn't belong to you. That's why you can't take away a penny, one single penny that's coming to another person. So every one of us has our portion that we, and only we, have the ability to elevate and to transform this portion of the world. And by all of us, each and every one of us, fulfilling our individual mission and elevating our portion, the entire world, all six billion people have been divided. And every Jew has a portion of this world that they have to influence, they have to contact, connect, elevate, transform. So when you study Torah and you do mitzvah, when you take your portion of this world and everything that nourishes you and feeds you and strengthens you and gives you strength, human strength, physical strength, and you take that physical energy and you take that physical strength and you physically do the mitzvah, you're elevating your portion of the world. So when every Jew around the world is doing their portion, their share. is doing the mitzvah, and studying the Torah and doing the mitzvot, collectively, we have all the bases covered. So collectively, we're elevating, the literally, we're elevating the entire world, transforming the entire world into something divine, into something godly. And fulfilling the ultimate purpose of creation. That is how we bring Mashiach. This is an activist program. We don't wait for Mashiach passively and just pray and wait for Mashiach to come. We actively prepare the world and actively change the world and actively make this world into a Mashiach world. How do you make this world into a Mashiach world? Through Torah and mitzvah. Every time you do a mitzvah, every time you study Torah, and you engage the physical body and you engage your, your your physical energy, your natural ego self, and you engage the whole world around you. Because it's only the world around you that supports you, your whole support system, everything that it takes, everything that supports you that enables you, that gives you, that nourishes you, and strengthens you, and gives you the energy and gives you that physical strength. So you've transformed your portion of this world. And by each and every one of us elevating their portion, then collectively we end up elevating the entire world. And this world becomes a divine world, a godly world, a place, a dwelling place for God. We've taken this world, which was a desert. The Torah was given in the desert because without the Torah, this world was a desert, a place that only snakes and scorpions could feel at home. And we take this world, this desert, a place that's unlivable, it's not fit for human for human habitat and we take it and we transform it into an oasis a garden of Eden a place that God says not only do I feel at home it's a luxury home it's a beautiful home it's a machay this is a home it's beautiful I feel so comfortable in this home that's our mission to take Dante's Inferno this world which could be hell a difficult place, a harsh place, a nasty place where life can be brutish and nasty, where everyone is selfless and self-centered and self-absorbed. And the Jew comes into this world and transforms it into a loving place, into a godly place, a wholesome place, a divine dwelling place. Where Hashem says, I feel at home, I feel comfortable. It's nothing short of a miracle. It's a complete makeover, complete transformation. And we were empowered at Mount Sinai. God empowered us through the Torah, through the mitzvot to achieve this transformation. So every time we do a mitzvah, something divine is happening, something miraculous, something creative. So this gives us tremendous courage and strength to continue, to persevere. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's a struggle. Yes, it's tough. But consistently, 24-7, have your eye on the ball and do the right thing and live a good life a godly life, a Jewish life, think like a Jew and speak like a Jew and act like a Jew 24-7 consistently, whether I'm in a mood or I'm not in the mood, whether I feel like it, I don't feel like it, whether I fully comprehend, I don't fully comprehend, to be consistent, and it's a struggle, and you know we may struggle the rest of our life till the till that moment that Mashiach actually comes, till that moment when we'll see the rewards of all our efforts, we'll, we'll see the revelation of everything that we've accomplished, all that sacrifice, until that moment life is a struggle till our very last breath so you may be, you may be discouraged who has the koichas, who has the strength it's constant struggle and I'm gauging my animal soul and my animal soul remains an animal <laughs> so what's the, what's the point, what's the purpose but when you realize that when you study Torah and do mitzvah, something miraculous is happening something divine. You're actually transforming this world. And you are building. You are building that home. You are changing the world. You're preparing this world. So even though you don't feel it and you don't experience it, and you may not fully appreciate it, but just being aware, just knowing, in the back of your mind, just knowing what you're accomplishing and knowing what's at stake and knowing how, how urgent and how important and how vital it is what we're accomplishing. And we're, not, and we're not alone. We're all in this together. One Jew is sitting in his home and in his life and his world and doing the right thing. And knowing that at this very moment, there's another Jew down the block who's also doing the same thing. And there's another Jew at the other corner of the world who's also doing the same thing. And we're all in this together. We're all working towards one goal. It's all of us together, each one of us, acting as the ambassador. As a faithful representative of Hashem and doing the right thing all of us together collectively. And it's not only our generation. It's the previous generation and the generation before that. So all of us together are building this beautiful this beautiful home, this luxurious home, which is the purpose of creation. So that's enough to give you that strength and that, and that joy because a person can handle... A struggle, as long as you know why you struggle. As long as your struggle has meaning. There's nothing more, more demoralizing if what you're doing is meaningless. If it's pointless. To struggle for the rest of your life. The Benini, which describes 99.9% of us, or potential, potential Benini. Life is going to be a struggle for the rest of our life. So that could be pretty demoralizing. To pour all this effort, to pour all this energy. And you know that you'll never really be whole inside. it will always be a conflict. And you pour so much energy in engaging your animal soul because all the mitzvot have to engage your body and your animal soul. And you know your animal soul, at the best, will hardly be moved. Will never truly change because we don't have the capacity to change. To reach our animal soul on the subconscious level only on a very superficial level so to pour all this energy on our bodies and our physical and our natural self when we can't really affect the real change it's like you know you're going to teach a student for the rest of your life and you know that student will always be a, D, a c minus c- student it's very discouraging <laughs> what am i accomplishing what's the point i'm never it's never i'm never going to shine the student is never going to shine the student will never really be transformed. So why the the emphasis on the physical and the material? Why the every mitzvah has to engage the material and the ego when we can't really change our egos? So it's very disheartening and very discouraging. But then when you realize that it's only by engaging your animals and by engaging the C student and by engaging the world around you that we're building this luxury luxury home for Hashem. We're transforming the world. Something miraculous is happening. Something material is being transformed into something divine, into something godly. Even if we don't experience it, we don't sense it. But the reality is, the fact remains, that every time we do a mitzvah, and so not only is our soul elevated, our bodies are elevated, and our egos are elevated, and the entire world around it, our whole support system, everything that went into nourishing and nurturing us and giving us the strength is elevated in turn. That gives you all the strength you need to carry on, to continue, because you know that what you're doing is, has meaning. What you're doing has value. What you're doing is indispensable. And you're not alone. You're doing it in your corner, another Jew is doing it in another corner, and together, if every Jew in the world, if every Jew in the world would study Torah and do mitzvot, Mashiach would be here. If every Jew in the world did one more mitzvah, Mashiach would be here. It's so simple. so doable. All it takes every Jew living in the Upper East Side, 70,000 Jews, (laughs) if every one of us, from the greatest to the smallest, did one more mitzvah, practically, physically, Mashiach HaVir. Because the entire world will be transformed. It would revolutionize human consciousness, Mashiach HaVir. Because when you do a mitzvah, you're changing the world. Mitzvot are not rituals, customs. And it's not only to connect you to Hashem. It's not only to connect your godly soul to Hashem. Mitzvah comes from the word connection. Not only is your godly soul connected to Hashem, when you do a mitzvah, your body becomes connected to Hashem. Your ego becomes connected to Hashem. Your whole support system, your portion of the world it's allotted to you, becomes connected to Hashem. So the whole world becomes transformed. So we bring Mashiach. Each and every Jew has a spark of Mashiach. Talmud says that there was a person who had a dream, he saw a shooting star in his dream so he was told the interpretation was that Mashiach is compared to a star it says there will be a star that will come out of yeah, Jacob and uh, he, will, he will be the savior he's going to save the Jewish people and in turn usher in the messianic era for the whole entire world and then there's another place in the Talmud where someone had a dream and he saw a star and he said that it means, signifies that you started up with a Jew. Because every Jew is compared to a star. So how do you reconcile these two Talmuds? Does a star refer to Mashiach or does the star refer to each and every Jew? The answer is they're both right. Because each and every Jew has a spark of Mashiach inside. Him. Because each and every one of us was empowered through the Torah and through the mitzvot, to bring Mashiach. Every time we're doing a mitzvah, we're bringing Mashiach closer. We're taking another portion of the world and we are connecting it and transforming it from something mundane, ordinary, into something divine, to something God. So Mashiach really embodies each and every one of us. We all have a spark of Mashiach inside us. And that is the theme and the purpose of our life. The theme and the purpose of Torah and Mitzvot. There's one single theme. There's one agenda. It hasn't changed since Sinai. One single theme to a Jew's life. And that is to bring Mashiach. To transform this world into a luxury dwelling place. Luxurious dwelling place for God. The Garden of Eden. Transform this desert into a beautiful oasis that's the theme that's the purpose of creation in the beginning there was darkness and then there was light that's the theme of creation the very first thing the Torah tells us is that God said there should be light why is that the very first thing that the Torah tells us because that is our mission statement that is the purpose of creation what is the purpose of creation? to transform the darkness into light, to call forth the light from the darkness. How do we do this? Through the Torah and through the mitzvah. Every time you're doing a mitzvah, you're taking darkness, you're taking your ego, you're taking your body, your physical, your natural self that's disconnected from godliness, that's that's mundane, that's ordinary, that's secular, and you're transforming it into something divine, into something God. Transforming it into light. On top of page 492.
0: When the whole neshama, the divine soul in all of Israel, which is divided into 600,000 particular offshoots, the standard figure for the members of the Jewish nation, all individual souls, being further subdivisions of these 600,000 general souls, as will be explained further, will fulfill each individual soul thereof, the 613 mitzvot of the Torah when they will refrain from transgressing the 365 prohibitions to restrain the 365 blood vessels of the animal, soul, and the body, so that they do not draw, nurture, or receive vitality by means of such transgression. From any one of the three completely unclean clay pot from which are derived the 365 biblical prohibitions, and under the rabbinical prohibitions, their offshoots is all that derives its vitality from the three holy unclean Khalipa cannot rise to holiness or a Jew to transgress any prohibition and thereby cause the particular blood vessel associated with that prohibition to receive vitality from these Khalipa, the vitalizing soul could no longer ascend to Hashem, having been tainted by the impurity of the three impure kalipah. These kalipah can never be elevated, but must be nullified and utterly destroyed, as it is written and i shall banish the unclean spirit from the earth similarly anything which derives its vitality from them can never ascend to holiness therefore only the observance of all the 365 prohibitions allow the entire vital soul to ascend without any part of it held back by the impurity of these
1: there are positive mitzvot active mitzvot and then there are prohibitions so the purpose of 365 prohibitions which are compared to the 365 blood vessels or veins, the purpose of a blood vessel is to channel the blood. It should go in the proper place. And it shouldn't be wastefully dispersed throughout the body. So too, the mitzvot, the prohibitions, protect us that the energy, the holiness, the life force of holiness should not be channeled toward Klippa. should only be channeled in the appropriate channels. So by avoiding, when you, when you do a prohibition, it's like you're, cha- you're taking your life force, you're taking that energy, and you're using that energy for, for, for inappropriate things. So you're, you're strengthening, you're giving energy to the Klippa. By avoiding the prohibition, by fulfilling the 365 dons and not violating, and not transgressing, and not trespassing, you protect that energy. That that energy should only go in the proper place. So that the blood should flow in the proper place. When you do a sin, you're taking your energy, holy energy, and you're strengthening. You're strengthening the clip, You're strengthening. The opposite of holiness. You're nourishing it. You're feeding it. Because the klipa is compared to a, a, like a bloodsucker. It has no life of its own. The, the worm, the bloodsucker, has to suck your energy. If it sucks your blood, then you give it energy and vitality. If it doesn't feed off you, it has no energy. It has no vitality. So we empower it, we empower klipa. If we did not violate a single prohibition, negative prohibition, klipa would cease to exist, would have no energy. Because God created good and evil, but the evil God created is very limited, has no energy of its own. Because the only life source is really the divine, there is no other life source. So evil really has no life source on its own. It's only life source is it feeds off us. We give it life source. We sustain it. We strengthen it. If we fall for klipa, then we strengthen it. So it's really up to us. And that's why, that's why there's such um, an attempt, why it's so important for the klipah to get us to sin. Because we are the only ones who can feed klipa. If we ignore it, and we don't pay attention to it, and we don't nourish it, it would cease to exist. It has no power on its own. It's a leech. It has no power of its own. It just sucks your energy, sucks your lifeblood, and sucks your life force out of you. So when you take that blood, instead of the blood being channeled in the proper, in the proper place, that could receive it, instead, that energy is wasted. So we all have it energy because all energy comes from Hashem there is no other energy there is no other source of life but when you take that passion and that life and instead of avoiding the klipa you actually violate the prohibition so then your, your blood you're using your blood you're using your life force and you're sustaining and nourishing the klipa now it's interesting we Hashem created the world is that when Klippa wins, it's actually its own downfall. Just like the blood sucker. When the bloodsucker successfully succeeds and sucks your blood, what happens to the blood sucker at the end? It dies. It dies. What happens to the leech? It dies. It's to its own detriment. When evil wins, it self-destructs. Because there's no reality to it. So it's, when evil is successful, it self-destructs. It becomes so arrogant, it just self-destructs. Look what happened to communism. When it it was at the height of its success, it just collapsed. Because there's no reality to it. The only reality is godliness. There's no other reality. There's no other life force. There's no other life. Energy, life, all comes from one source. The divine. But when you channel that energy and you feed the klipa, So you give it a temporarily, it feels, you you energize it, and it feels very strong and very arrogant. But the end result is it self-destructs. It doesn't work. It's not sustainable. Its success is its own downfall. An extreme example. Take cancer cells. The cancer cell sucks the life force. From your organ, and what happens? It literally self-destructs because it kills you and then it's suicidal. And then it when the person dies, the the cells, the cancer cells die. It's, it's a self destructive path. It's a dead end. It goes nowhere. When the generation of the flood became so evil, they self destructed. In God's world, everything needs a holy spark in order to be sustained. Some goodness to it. The moment something becomes purely evil, it self-destructs. Hitler's thousand-year reign lasted 13 years, 12 years. It self-destructs. So at the end of the day, holiness will always triumph. Never become discouraged. Even when you see evil prosper. At the end of the day, holiness, truth will always triumph. Because evil will trip over itself. It becomes so arrogant, it will destroy itself. Because there's nothing there. Its whole life force, we are sustaining. Temporarily. We can feed evil. We feed evil. We empower it. It has no power of its own. Its strength comes from us. We are in the driver's seat. So if anyone for a moment is suffering from low self-esteem, you think that who am I, I am nobody and what difference do, do I make and what difference do my actions make and who cares and who notices and what difference what I th- no one knows what I think what difference does it make if I think a positive thought if I think a good thought or, or a negative thought what difference does it make you see how much energy how much energy our Yetzirah puts in to try to get us to do something wrong or to think something wrong <laughs> to say something wrong, to act because because we are the ones who sustain it, we are the ones who empower, and it's really up to us. So the purpose of of fulfilling the prohibitions, the 365 prohibitions, it's compared to the, it corresponds to 365 blood vessels, and the purpose of the blood vessels is to channel the blood. It should go mm-hmm. in the proper organ, and God forbid there shouldn't be any leak. Shouldn't be the blood should not, God forbid, flow out which can lead to to weakness and can lead to death, God forbid. And so too spiritually. When you take that energy that God gave you, that divine energy, and instead of protecting that energy and channeling that energy in the proper place, you take that energy and you trespass, and you pass it over and you use it for something negative, then you are nourishing and strengthening the klipa. You're strengthening... everything that's the antithesis of holiness and you contaminate your soul and then your soul cannot be elevated when you do a sin when you take your body and you take your animal soul and you take your ego and with that energy you commit a sin then that sin cannot be elevated you've taken that energy and that energy cannot be elevated we don't have the power to elevate it That energy. Once you do something wrong, once you do something that's objectively wrong, that energy is trapped. It can no longer be elevated. Because it's subjective. It doesn't matter what you feel personally, subjectively. If you eat a piece of ham, and you feel very inspired, and you go to synagogue, and you study Torah, and you do a mitzvah, that energy cannot be elevated. It's objectively prohibited. The divine energy is trapped. And we don't have the power to elevate that energy. And so too with all the 365 prohibitions. When the Torah says that something is prohibited, when the Torah says that certain relationships are prohibited, it doesn't matter. Well, subjectively we love each other. You can't kosher, you can't kosher a pig, you can't kosher something that's inherently not kosher. There are no Robin Hoods in Judaism. But my intention is well. I'm going to transfer wealth from the rich who don't need it anyway to the poor who desperately need it. Well, that's robbery and that's thievery and there are no Robin Hoods in Judaism. It's theft. There's no justification. You can't kosher it. You can't take an act that's inherently, innately not kosher and try to kosherize it because personally, subjectively, it feels right, it makes me feel good. It doesn't change reality. When you do something wrong, you've channeled your energy, your godly energy, and you've channeled it into a prohibition, and this energy can never be elevated. Who wants to continue it?
3: Furthermore, every individual soul will fulfill also the 248 positive commandments, thereby drawing down the blessed in-sof light below to elevate to him and to bind and unite with him the entire vital soul which is in the 248 limbs of the body in perfect unity, such is the effect of the mitzvah in uniting the vital animal soul with Hashem so that they become actually one with Him, in accordance with His will, that, that there be an abode for Him in the lower realms. And so great is this unity that they, the limbs of the body, with the vitality of the animal soul invested in them, become a chariot for God, as were the patriarchs, whose every limb was in total submission to the divine will. Wherefore, they are designated as Hashem's chariots. And so will every
1: Jew become a the, the prohibitions protect the soul that the soul should not descend into the realm of the three klipot, into the realm of negativity, which cannot be elevated until the end of time, until Mashiach will come. But that's not enough. That's only protecting you from descending and plunging into the depth and descending into the realm of the klipa. But then... That's only a preparation. Then, by doing the mitzvah, your soul is actually actively elevated and becomes part of holiness. So, you protect your soul. The prohibitions are a protection. They protect your soul from descending into the realm of Klippa. But then, through the mitzvah, you elevate your soul and you transform your soul. And your soul actually becomes transformed into something divine, into something godly, into something holy. So by fulfilling the uh, 365 prohibitions, by fulfilling them entirely, then every aspect of your soul, just like every, every vein in your body, every aspect of your soul is protected. There's not a single aspect in your soul, there's not a single energy in your soul that has descended and become part of the negative realm. And then when you do 248 mitzvot, which correspond to the 248 limbs in your body, then every limb in your body has become elevated. So your whole being has become elevated from the neutral klipa into holiness. So your whole being has become part of the divine. So that's the purpose of Torah mitzvah. That's why we have 613 mitzvah. It's not random. There are 365 domes that correspond to the 365 veins in the body which just like the veins channel the blood in the appropriate place, so too the 365 mitzvot protect the soul from expending any energy in the negative realm. And then you have 248 mitzvot which correspond to the 248 limbs in the body, that every limb in your body, so that every fiber of your being, every bone in your body, every limb in your body, every part of your being becomes one with God, becomes part of the divine, becomes elevated into the realm of holiness. So this is the purpose of the mitzvah? To engage the body and to engage the body entirely, every aspect of the body. Okay.
3: Once the totality of the vital soul of the community of Israel become a holy chariot for God, then also the general vitality of this world, which now consists of Klipat Noga, will also emerge from its impurity and sickness. The term impurity refers to the evil of the klipa, sickness, refers to the element of good that the klipa Nova contains, which is nevertheless the good of klipa, not holiness, and will ascend to holiness to become a chariot for God upon the revelation of his glory in the world to come.
1: When your animal soul, when your ego soul becomes elevated in its entirety, becomes elevated and part of holiness, we are a microcosm of the whole world. So what happens with us is reflected in the entire world, that the macrocosm, the whole entire world, every aspect of this world, the enti- world in, in its entirety also becomes elevated. That the klipa, the neutral klipa, which is a combination of good and evil. So the evil becomes completely discarded, but the good that was trapped, that was sick, when you say someone is sick, that means there's potential for health. It just happens to be that you've fallen ill, and you have the potential to, to get well. So the klipa has potential. The klipa, before it's elevated into holiness, the holy spark that's in the klipa, that the potential to be elevated, the part that's kosher, has the potential to be elevated. But before it's elevated, it's like sick. It's not healthy, it's not vibrant, it's not truly alive, it's not truly connected. But it has the potential to be connected. So by studying Torah and doing mitzvot and connecting every part of your soul, so that's reflected that the the kosher part of this world also becomes elevated. The holy parts, the spark, becomes elevated into holiness, becomes transformed into holiness. So this entire world becomes transformed into something holy. The impurity is discarded, and the spark, the potential for holiness, is fully revealed and fully realized. So this entire world becomes holy and godly and divine. That the entire world becomes a chariot for God. Because it's the world that enables us. The world is our support system. It's the world that enables us to do the mitzvah. And it would be impossible to do the mitzvah without that support system. So the entire world, everything that went into the mitzvah, Everything that helps us prepare to do the mitzvah. Everything that gives us the strength. Everything that allows us to live and to thrive and to flourish. Our portion of the world and the entire world becomes elevated and becomes part of godliness. It becomes a chariot to God. It's a tool. Because without this tool, without the chariot, you couldn't get to where you had to get. So without the physical, you would not be able to do the mitzvah. You wouldn't be able to fulfill God's will. Without our support system, without the whole entire world that we live in, we would never be able to do the mitzvah. So the entire world becomes a chariot to God, becomes an indispensable tool. And without this tool, we would never be able to do the mitzvah. So it becomes part of the divine will, becomes part of the mitzvah, and therefore it becomes divine and holy. Okay, continue. Continue. Then all
3: flesh will behold godliness together and he will appear over them with majestic beauty of his power and the glory of God will fill the whole world. Israel will see eye to eye. The human eye will see the truth of godliness just as the supernal eye sees it, just as they saw it at the giving of the Torah. Of which it is written, you showed yourself so that it be known that God is the Lord. Literally the four-letter divine name is Elohim, in other words, despite the concealment of the four-letter divine name, which denotes God's limitless power by the name Elohim, which signifies God's self-limitation, it is the former that still pervades all existence. There is so, nothing else besides Him. But whereas the revelation at Sinai lasted only a short time, the revelation in the future will be permanent.
1: So Elohim represents the name, the divine name, with which God created the world of nature. Bereshit bara Elohim. And presently the name Elohim conceals and hides the divine energy within. We don't sense the divine. The world is, ma- is material. This material world is the antithesis of everything that's godly. It's completely disconnected. Not only doesn't it point its finger, it doesn't show us and point the point way to godliness and the contrary. It's a very egotistical world. But during the giving of the Torah, the Jewish people saw and Elokim. they felt the divine energy in Elohim they sensed the divine in the name Elohim there was no longer any concealment God in this was completely revealed within Elohim they sensed God they opened their eyes and they realized that everything is divine there's no other reality but God but that was just a temporary revelation a taste of the future and God gave us the program how we can, we can achieve this permanently at Mount Sinai, through the Torah. That was the revelation of the Torah. God gave us the Torah and the mitzvah through the Torah, through the Jewish people studying Torah and doing Mitzvah. That's how we're able to permanently achieve this revelation. When godliness will be completely revealed. When the entire world, not only the Jew, but the entire world will see God. All six billion people. When, when you walk down the streets, you'll sense godliness. The world itself will be permeated with godliness. You'll sense the divine. How does this come about? Through our Torah mitzvah. Every time we do a mitzvah, we transform another piece of this world into, into something divine. We change the very substance of this world. We take something materialistic, something egotistical and materialistic that's completely disconnected and cut off from God, and we transform it into something divine, into the divine will. It becomes part of the mitzvah, part of the divine, an indispensable part, a chariot to God. We don't feel it now. We don't sense it now. Mashiach will come, then all of it will be revealed. Godliness will be revealed. We'll feel, we'll sense how this world is a divine place. A garden of Eden, an oasis. A luxurious home for God. Where God is completely manifest, completely revealed. His very essence feels at home in this world. Completely manifest, completely revealed. No concealment, no hiding. But this comes as a result of our Torah and our mitzvah. And what happens at that moment, at that moment when Mashiach comes, when the klip at Noga, the neutral klip, or the intermediate klip, when the world will become elevated, when the world of nature that God created with the name Elohim, when Hashem Hu Elohim, when we'll sense the divine within the Elohim, when that divine potential will be elevated as a result of our Torah mitzvah, when the Jewish people complete, fulfilling the 613 mitzvah, when every limb in our body and every organ in our body and every vein, when we fulfill all 613 mitzvot, and when every Jew in the world fulfills all 613 mitzvah thereby elevating every, every part of our soul, when there isn't a single part of our soul that's disconnected, and every part of our soul is completely connected with the Divine, and in turn, every portion of this world becomes completely connected with the Divine, and then the klipa, the shell, will vanish forever. When klipat noga, when the intermediate when the portion of this world that's kosher, that's permissible, becomes elevated and becomes holy, becomes part of the mitzvah, then the realm of the three klipot, which are absolutely evil and absolutely negative, will cease to exist. Because there's nothing, there's nothing nourishing it anymore. It has no energy at the time. The realm of holiness and the realm of evil have no connection. Opposite. They're opposites. How can the realm of, of Klippa nourish itself in the realm of holiness? It's only through an intermediary. Intermediary is called klippat Noga. That's the intermediary shell. But when the intermediary becomes absorbed in the world of holiness, there's no longer any contact. There's no longer any connection between the world of holiness and the world of Klippa. So the world of Klippa shrivels up. The world of lies... All that negative energy, that unwholesome energy, just shrivels away. And dies and disappears. There's no reality to it. There's no substance to it. There's nothing there. It never really was. So he's giving us actually a very practical program. <laughs> How do we get to this world of Mashiach? It's a very doable and a very practical program. It's really up to us. Every one of us through our behavior, through our actions. he continued. through this ascent.
3: Through this ascent of Klippat Noga to holiness, the three young king Klipot will be utterly annihilated and nullified. For the nurture and vitality which they now receive from the holiness comes to them only by way of Klippat Noga, the intermediary between them. Klippat Noga containing both good and evil is the medium through which these Klipot, which are completely evil, receive their vitality from godliness, which is completely good. When Noga ascends to godliness, the impure Klippat no longer have any access to godly vitality, cease to exist.
4: It follows, therefore, the purpose of the Messianic Era and Resurrection, namely, the revelation of His glory and divinity and the banishment of the spirit of impurity from the earth. It is entirely dependent on our drawing down His godliness and the blessed of light upon all the 248 limbs of the vital soul of all Israel. For by way of the vital soul, all the world will be surfaced with bitterness. And this is achieved by the vital soul's performance of all 248 positive Mitzvot. And this purpose is also dependent on our banishing the spirit of impurity, the true impure clipot of the vital soul of all Israel for by being banished from the vital soul the spirit of impurity is banished from the entire world and this is accomplished by the vital soul's observance of all 365 prohibitive mitzvot thus preventing its 365 blood vessels from drawing nurture from the spirit of impurity
1: it's a very revolutionary understanding of the connection between our Torah and our mitzvot and the coming of Mashiach you know this is This is a very activist program. We make it happen, every one of us. And we've been working on this for the last 3,320 years through Torah and mitzvot. This is our program. This is our agenda. This was the goal. At Sinai we got a taste. God gave us a brief taste. And he gave us the tools, how we're going to achieve this permanently through studying Torah and doing mitzvot. And um, it's by studying Torah and doing mitzvot that we actually create a world where there's no evil, a world where there's no death, a world where there's no pain, we actually make it happen. Because by elevating the intermediary, by severing the contact between Khalipa, between lies, arrogance, and holiness, by elevating that neutral ground, that neutral arena, which is our arena of operation, which is everything that's kosher, everything that's permissible, but it depends on us how we engage in it and what we do with it, we take the energy that we have and we utilize it for Torah and for mitzvot. Then we elevate that portion of the world by elevating ourselves, our entire selves, and elevating the portion that was allotted to us and our entire portion. Then we sever the contact in holiness and its opposite. Then, then the opposite has no has nothing to nourish on. There's nothing to nash on. It shrivels away and it dies. And then this world becomes a godly place it's really up to us you know we empower klipa don't be discouraged sometimes it appears that the klipa and arrogance and lies are so overwhelming and we're like a little light a little voice in the wilderness how could it's overwhelming the wilderness and the darkness and the, the darkness is so thick and so how do we overcome it when he was a child he lost his father He lost both of his parents and his father told him in his deathbed, don't be afraid of anyone just be afraid of Hashem. There's nothing to fear because if you're connected to Hashem then you realize that Klippa has no power. There's only one power. There's only one reality. That's Hashem. God. There's no other reality. Klippa has no power of its own. It projects as if it's powerful but there's nobody home. There's There's no one near. It's pure arrogance. It's a pure, it's a bubble. That's all it is. But it's a very scary bubble. And people are frightened. And when you become frightened and you empower it, it becomes empowered. It's really up to us. You are in the driver's seat. It's all up to you. If you choose not to be afraid, there's nothing to be afraid of. If you choose to feed it, if you fall for it, if you allow it to dominate you, and you allow it to govern your life, self-indulgence and greed, etc., then you nourish it. Then you, you create you create it, but there's, 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 no, there's nobody home. There's nothing there, really. to it's you. It's, you're taking that channeling, that divine energy, and you're strengthening it. It just becomes excess. We've seen it with the collapse of fascism. We've seen it with the collapse of communism. And now we're seeing it with the collapse of excessive, not healthy capitalism, but excessive greed and lies and theft etc and you see the total breakdown because it, it, it reaches a point where it just self-destructs it doesn't work because it's not real it's not based on goodness kindness genuineness godliness truth MS when something becomes so such a bluff and so exaggerated it just, it just collapses on its own But temporarily, you have the power to feed it. And you have the power to stop feeding it. By fulfilling the 365 prohibitions, not thinking something that's wrong, and not speaking something that's wrong, and not doing anything wrong, but following the Jewish way of life, and doing the right thing. And by actively doing the mitzvah, then you elevate your ego, your natural soul becomes entirely elevated to holiness, to godliness, and the Klippa the uh, Klippa you sever the connection between the the negative and the positive there's no intermediary. the intermediary has been absorbed in holiness so then the negative just shrivels up and dies and disappears and that's Mashiach, Mashiach will come Hashem will remove the negative the negative will be removed and evil will be removed Negativity will be removed. Pain will be removed. Death will be removed. It's all connected. Because anything connected to God, the source of life is alive. Eternally alive. And God is all joy and whole. So when the whole world becomes connected to God, there's no longer anything to feed the negative. And the gimmoklippas will just vanish and disappear. So just knowing that, knowing what's at stake, knowing how vital and how urgent and how pressing it is that each and every one of us, 24-7 on a daily basis, do the right thing at all times and at all places. And each and every one of us, 24-7 at all times and all places, God forbid, do not do something that's wrong, something that we should not be doing. How vital and urgent it is that we're affecting the entire world. We're affecting the very outcome of the whole purpose, of existence, of creation, of the higher realms, the lower realms, the whole entire universe. It's in our hands. We play a vital role. We are the main actors here. We were hired. We are the main actors. We are the uh, the star role. (laughs) So that gives you all the encouragement you need and the sense of purpose and the sense of meaningfulness that we need to give our struggle meaning. There's meaning to our struggle. There's a purpose to our struggle. It's not in vain, God forbid. If we can never truly change our animal soul, our egos, what's the point? Why struggle our entire life to do the right thing when it's difficult? And it will remain difficult. And it will remain a struggle till our last breath, until Mashiach comes. But when you realize what's at stake and how meaningful it is, that gives you strength. That gives you encouragement. And a person can live with struggle if you know it has meaning and it has purpose. Now we know it has all the meaning in the world. Especially today, when we know how imminent it is. We're literally moments away. We're literally at the threshold. How much more so we live with a sense of urgency? That let's just do that one more mitzvah. Let's let's hit home. Let's hit it home. We're in the ninth inning, all the bases are loaded, and every one of us is with the bat, standing, called up to play. Not to root for the home team, but to actually take the bat in the hand, and we're up next, and we have to hit that grand slam, that home run, that will bring it all in, bring it all home. And then we'll go home, the entire world will go home, because Hashem will feel at home in this world. And this, We'll see, we'll see with our physical eyes, we'll see how this world is an oasis, a luxurious home, a garden of Eden, a godly place, a wholesome place, a healthy place, a beautiful place. And may it happen tonight.
0: Amen. Amen. Amen.